0: Hello, everybody. You are listening to Action Line on KNY. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me in the studio, I have Senator Jesse Keel. Senator, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, Jordan. Good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. It looks like we're going to get more of this uh, unfiltered solar radiation we were just hearing from the real estate piece about. We'll have to watch out for that.
0: Yeah, it's always always some dicey game with solar ads, although... You know, the weather should be cooling down a little bit. We were talking with the weather service the other day for the newscast. So it sounds like it'll start to get a little bit cooler here relatively soon. I hope it will anyway. Cause well, not a,
1: it's pretty either way.
0: It is pretty either way. Now, there are a couple of big things I want to talk with you about. But the first one that I feel like we should hit because it happened quite recently was the different vetoes that the governor made of the budget.
1: Sure. Well, there were there were quite a few of those, um, and some of them uh, some of them more uh, bigger impacts to Southeast Alaska than others. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you know, the, of course, the biggest single one was the education veto. Right? We we just barely got enough money uh, ed- increase in education funding through the legislature this year, and the governor took that increase and he cut it in half. Um, that's a that's a real problem uh and and without the votes to override that veto which i would certainly do um but uh, we're going to be in a tough spot for our schools alaska has the highest threshold to override a governor's veto on budgets of anyone all 50 states the territories anyone um and and uh I do not see the votes to do that. We've we've talked with our colleagues, and and I know Alaskans have weighed in, but but I don't see 45 votes out of 60. Um, so I think that veto stands. Um, and so instead of about let's see, it would, would have been the equivalent of 680 dollars a student, so about a 175 million bucks. Um, it'll be half that. Um, that that's tough. That really is. That's basically last year's inflation rate. It's been eight years since we adjusted it.
0: And it, it raises that question because, like you said, that would have been such a, a large, substantial increase for education. So it raises the question to me about why we would cut that down. Obviously, I know a huge part of this conversation has been how do we you know, balance this budget? How do we have a workable budget? But I also come from this perspective of what well, we want to increase education because education is important. And I know that the governor has said that in the past. But then you see a cut like that. It makes me wonder more about that statement.
1: Yeah. And, and remember, these were cuts from a balanced budget. These were cuts from a budget that did not draw on savings so um, pretty pretty disappointing uh, for that, you know um, the other thing that uh, that the Governor made some reductions in um, was some of some of the small child care incentives. The biggest piece we did, um, and I was pleased to play a, play a part in seven and a half million dollars statewide to help support child care workers right it's it 's a line of work that pays uh, surprisingly low wages. They have a very hard time getting people to do the work, providing quality child care. So, uh, the seven and a half million statewide would have helped, uh, help them keep people on and, and hire people. Uh, the governor left that alone. There were a number of other child care incentives, some place based incentives, um, to try and get more child care businesses to start up. And he did take those out. Um, he's got a child care task force. Um, they are in the process of telling him it's a terrible problem. They need all the help they can get, including to start up some new businesses. So that it, it, it it wasn't, a, <laughs> I think, um, well timed or or didn't reflect a, a real listening ear, But but that's what he did. Um, And then, uh, you know, a a couple of other really um, key things. Uh, There is a project that I have put money for into the budget um, three times now. Um, And it's to do some major maintenance out at the University of Alaska Southeast, right? The state owns those buildings um, and we own some buried fuel tanks um, that are up the hill from Auk Lake there that are at or that they're past their useful life. Um, It is time to replace them. Um, there are some other major maintenance needs. You know the the smoke alarm system, fire alarm system, in the welding shop, right? Where you really need a functional fire system, um, in in working right. Uh, it's it's it needs to be replaced. A few just basic things like that. Some roofs that need work. It's Southeast Alaska. It rains. Um, this is the third time that I have fun- gotten those funded, um, with help from the two representatives here in Juneau, and the governor has whacked that money. Um, I, I don't know uh, if he has the uh, underst- misunderstanding that it's cheaper to clean up an oil spill than it is to replace buried oil tanks. It is not. That's incorrect. Um, it's it's a really short sighted mood move. Um, so so that was pretty unfortunate. Um, and that was part of a statewide package of major maintenance things um, So, so, and then there were a number of other very small pieces. Um, One of the things I worked on a lot this session, Jordan, was um, just on some things, nitty gritty detail stuff. Um, Most people would find it boring just to make state government work better. Right. Things where um, there should be good alignment between me and the governor on things that are just going to make state government a little more effective, a little more efficient. Um, And one of those things was taking some of the services that we have centralized for, oh, eight, nine years now um, where there are problems Um, and and making some very very limited adjustments certainly not undoing all the centralization um, but make some very limited adjustments to make some of those things work better Um, and the governor decided to line out and veto those Um, and and that leads to less efficient state government it leads to more expense in the long run Um, so so that was hard to see Um, we're talking about uh, three four positions uh, you know, not not giant uh, growth in government by anybody's measure, three or four jobs, um, in, including an HR person at the Department of Law where, uh, let me just say it right out loud, when you have um, human resource problems with a couple of hundred lawyers, you're going to get sued, right? You want to head those off at the pass. Because those lawsuits are incredibly expensive. Well, he vetoed that. So that, that, it was tough to see some of those. Um, but we'll continue to work on those things, especially next year. We're going to come back at the education thing. Um, what we did this year was money, but it wasn't in, in the law and the education funding formula in the law. Um, I think you'll see us get that passed next year. The Senate passed a bill to make that a permanent funding increase. Um, It's over in the House. I think you'll see us put that on the governor's desk in some form, hopefully with a higher number, next year.
0: Gotcha. And... And then one of the things that I sort of thought about, I mean, when you mentioned the university aspect of it, I mean, I remember when I was a student reporter and looking at, you know, some of the budget expenses towards the university, especially because back when I was a student, that was when we were looking at those substantial cuts to the university system. Mm-hmm. And seeing that, you know, a lot of those were those sort of repair, those maintenance kinds of things that the university needed. So to now hear that those are still things that need those funding, things that need to be changed, need to be updated. it. It is a bit concerning, I would say, because if we continue to put those off, it makes you wonder what we or why are why are we where or why are we redirecting money away from that?
1: And it's 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 really bad management, bad fiscal management for Alaska's future. When before this governor took office, before we started whacking the heck out of the budget, UAS the three campuses, Juneau. Sitka, Ketchikan, had almost no deferred maintenance. They were keeping up. There were a couple of projects, there were a couple of roofs, um, and these oil tanks were coming, they were on a list, but they weren't past their life yet. And then these massive cuts out of the programs, right? Cutting professors, cutting staff, cutting programs, fewer degrees of, uh, to choose from, right? Fewer choices for Alaska students. And so the university did everything they could Right, And they, they made those big cuts, they made those hard choices, but also some things, those cuts went so deep, they said, well, we're not gonna keep up on that maintenance item this year, maybe we can get to it next year. And we started building the kind of deferred maintenance list that is a massive problem at Anchorage and Fairbanks. Anchorage and Fairbanks together have a billion dollar deferred maintenance program. We didn't used to have that at UAS, and we're starting to build it now. Anybody who thinks that's a good idea, look around at that one house in the neighborhood where they never fixed the roof or they never dealt with that problem with the gutters and they backed up and they flooded whatever, right? And it's starting to look like the Dickens and you wish they'd do something about it, but now it's more expensive than it ever would have been at the time. Yeah, we're building that.
0: And I think that's a apt way of describing it, because when you just hear the term, it doesn't carry as much weight as, you know, here's an applicable example of like, here's an example where if you don't keep up on those maintenance practices, you begin to see those problems.
1: Yeah. So so we're going to keep we're going to keep after this. Um, we've got to get on top of these these issues um, and and, uh, you know, whether we need to whether there's a way to work with this governor that I haven't found yet or whether we need to drag and kicking and screaming. The need is still there. The state owns these things. We got to educate kids and students in the in the K-12 schools. We got to educate college students uh, through grad school at UA. We, we need state employees running state programs in state buildings, and they can't fall down.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Well, we are going to be moving into our break here in just a moment. In the second half, I do want to talk to you a bit more about child care and then maybe what Do you think we need to change in order to see more of that push for that education funding and getting some more security on that? You are listening to Action Line on KINY. And we are back on Action Line. I am your host, Jordan Lewis. and Joining me still, I have Senator Jesse Keel. Now, in the first half, we ended up closing talking a lot about, you know, education, sort of the push for the funding there and some of the concerns. So one of the questions I have for you now about that is what do you think we need to do differently to really get that push for that education funding, to really try and cement that into sort of the the funding code or whatever changes we need to do to get that there?
1: Yeah, that's, um, that's the, I think the primary challenge of the next legislative session Right, um, and so we put in. The governor asked for a couple of things. He put asked for some additional uh, reporting from districts on what their fund balances are. Um, there was a myth out there that they had lots of unspent COVID money that they were just rolling in, and the districts came back and they said, "Nope, here here are the details." And he wanted some additional reporting at um, a couple of points during the year, so we're going to provide him that. Um, we're going to get those questions answered <clears throat> and then um, continue to work with education advocates um, around the state um, and folks to to help, you know, put a fine point on this this important message that good schools are crucial to healthy families and a good economy, right? More and more people can work anywhere on this planet, Jordan. Juneau is one of the best places on earth to live. But if the schools don't, If the schools go downhill, people won't choose to live here. They will go somewhere where maybe the quality of life isn't as great, but they are sure their kids have a bright future, right? So we want to keep our schools strong and, and, and in good shape and going well and provide opportunities for local kids and continue to attract folks who can live anywhere on earth. To, to the capital city and to our region of the state, right? Our our schools in Skagway are award-winning. They're usually named the best in the state. Haynes has great schools, right? So uh, throughout our district here in Northern Southeast, uh, we've got a strong, strong asset but we've been, we've been chipping away at it here. There have been too many cuts, um, and it's gotten into the programs. Anybody who went to school in this town and goes back to see the schools now, is raising a kid now, sees fewer opportunities. That's the wrong direction. So um, that message resonates throughout the state, and when we get that bill passed the House and put it on the governor's desk, I think we'll get him to sign it next year.
0: Okay. And uh, you mentioned that there, there being fewer opportunities. Now, and this is me speaking because I didn't go to school here within June. I went to school up within Anchorage, so I don't have that sense of sort of comparison. But could you provide me with an example that you might have for that?
1: I'll, I'll give you two really um, simple ones, and they're just an illustration. It's not a complete list. There used to be multiple languages at both high schools, and, and uh, a robust program Right You could take Japanese and Juno, you could take Russian in Juneau and Juno and English into Spanish and french and and now I and and now it's good that we have Tlingit, right but but our world languages programs are smaller than they used to be, and they're weaker than they used to be. So for any of our kids who want to get on that college bound track, that's a problem, right? We also used to have small engine and a variety of shop classes and hands-on voc tech classes. Those programs are smaller and weaker, with fewer offerings now. For kids who aren't going to college, who need skills to build a great life and build our community, we gotta have everybody educated, right? Whether you're going to college, whether you're going straight to the trades and apprenticeship or whatever your thing is, after you get out of high school, we don't have as much as we used to have for those kids to keep them interested in school and build their skills for the opportunities when they get out of high school
0: so we've got to build back up for everybody gotcha and now in sort of to tie back to what you mentioned earlier you know there's that need that we want you know we want people to live here but we want them to have those, those opportunities which then loops me back perfectly to the issue of child care well if we wanna have those kids here, but if we also don't have systems in place to support them so that their parents can also do what they need to do, then that raises its own problem.
1: Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and childcare, you know, we, we we made some breakthroughs with some folks this year because for a long time, you talk about childcare, people kinda of tune a lot of people tune out, well that's a mommy issue, right? That's that's a family issue. It's not something that we should be involved in. And and the eyes are being are opening up the state chamber, the Juno chamber. Folks have gotten involved from the business community and said, this is a workforce issue, it's a business issue. We're having trouble finding employees. People who want to work are having trouble getting to work because there isn't a good place for their kids during the day when we need them at the shop, at the office, at wherever they're working. <clears throat> so so um, it, it's gone so far that the top generals in Alaska, are talking about this as a military readiness issue, a force readiness issue. They don't have their people. Their people don't have places for their kids, so they're not showing up the way they need to. They're not prepared to deploy, prepared to do the work they need to do. Now, they, you know, America is not on the verge of, of invasion here, don't get me wrong, but these are the people charged with our safety and they are identifying this as a major Problem for them doing their crucial work. This isn't uh, this isn't something that we just need you know to to focus on on somebody's role in the household. Uh, This is a society issue. It's an economy issue as well as a family issue. So we look at what was put in the Alaska Reads Act that passed a couple years ago, and that was a very gradual statewide rollout. Of pre-K, right? So now you're getting down to roughly the three-year-old set, and of course it's voluntary pre-K, which is which is fine. It should always be, right? If if you have the means and you want to stay uh, home raise your young kids, God bless. But but we don't have the speed or the capacity to roll that out statewide as fast as we have unmet needs in childcare. And pre-K doesn't get you down to that infant to three set. That's where some of our greatest needs are. So the governor has this task force, and I think they're going to look at a number of things. You know, maybe they will find regulations that can be loosened up. Right? There are, we're also going to find a lot of the regulations that, that have the biggest cost impact are safety rules. right? You, you can only have so many infants, so many you know, crib-aged kids per adult and still have a safe situation. Well, that gets down to how many people you've got to hire right and personnel are a big part of the cost so so there's a lot of 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 issues here that um you're not just gonna say oh we'll loosen up a reg here and there and solve the problem doesn't mean we shouldn't look for the ones we can but but a lot of these things are safety issues and and nobody's asking to roll those back so so it's a it's a big thing um again, I really applaud the governor for approving that $7.5 million. That's one thing that, that we agreed on, and I was glad to see him sign it. Um, but but it's a it's a start. It's a drop in the bucket for what we need to make sure that families have safe, quality places for their children when mom and dad go to work.
0: Right. And I think it's very important that you brought up that, you know, it's become almost to the to the extent that it is a military issue. If we can't, so, you know, provide that support to even our armed services to make sure that they can be here and then be able to do their jobs, then that, I can't think of a way that that would make it more evident that there's a problem.
1: You know, it, one of the things that, that we are working on, uh, the general delegation and the, the city and the chamber and a whole bunch of folks, nonprofits, um, is as senators, U.S. Senator Sullivan uh, works to get an icebreaker. Um, that, that ought to be stationed here in Juneau. We need to make sure we're ready shoreside for all those families and all those support personnel and their families, right? W- well, for those folks to come to work, if we're going to add a bunch of jobs in this town, we're going to need to add a bunch of childcare. There isn't enough for the people who are here now. So this is a serious challenge and it's a today challenge, not a five years out challenge. It's a now issue.
0: Right. Now, one more thing I wanted to hit because we don't have too much time left in the show is what are certain issues or concerns that have been brought up to you recently that you feel like you can maybe touch on maybe just briefly so that they're kind of in the public sort of zone here?
1: Oh, well, there's, there's always a lot to do. Uh, there's a huge amount to do. Obviously, you know, we have never not struggled with housing here in Juneau. We continue to struggle with housing. I know the assembly is working on registration for the short-term rentals that, you know, basically hotel and a house rentals. Um, I think they're working on that now. Obviously it's not at the state level, but, but all of the housing issues here in Southeast Alaska are, are crucial. Um, Folks continue to talk to us from the senior community about the minimal supports they could use to stay in their homes, right? If you can age in your home with a little bit of help, it saves a huge amount of money on Medicare paying for, and your insurance paying for, a nursing home level of care, which is so expensive. And oftentimes it means you gotta leave town, right? We just don't have that much capacity. So seniors have continued to talk to us about that. the the issues of of housing and, and unhoused people um and and both uh their ability to live with dignity and the impacts on neighborhoods and businesses and and families um that continues to come up and so we continue to work collaboratively with uh the city and with nonprofits on on ideas there um you know, uh, we've got, uh, of course, fish and game issues. The always working on on uh, situations there. One thing I should say, Jordan, if I didn't talk about it the last month when we were on, is that we uh, restabilized the money that fish and game provides to DIPAC for king salmon uh, that they make f- to target at the sport fisheries. Right, so those those sport release sites for kings, that that stopped for a while, and of course they had the the waterline break uh, in 2020, and and so it takes a minute to make kings. They're not a one-year fish, um, but we have we have reinstated that funding, and so we'll get that stabilized again, uh, along with the great work DIPAC does for the community property fishery. Benefits everybody: sport, commercial, subsistence, all. Um, so. So that's a big success this session, um, and we'll continue to work with them on on any other challenges that that they face. So. Um Lots and lots of issues. Um, continue to work on stabilizing the ferry system. I think the new director has his, uh, has his feet on the ground and his head in the job. Um, and so there's some reason for optimism there, although it's a deep hole they're digging out of. That's not going to be a one-year fix either. Uh, that's a short list. I could probably go on for 10 minutes, but I know we're running low on time. So staying busy every single day working for our region. Gotcha. And
0: you were right. We are out of time. But Senator Kielek, thank you for coming on.
1: Hey, thank you so much, Jordan. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And, uh, you know, don't get burned out there in this uh, in this solar radiation spell we're having.
0: Oh, yes. Do stay safe out there with those temperatures. You've been listening to Action Line on KINY.